ladies and gentlemen, hang on to your hat, episode 20, and I have not got in the studio, Dan Lee. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> He's on oh, the phone. So we're talking? We're uh, on. I'm driving around Broome. And here, comes the, here. and here comes the song. Bad Daddy, you're a naughty boy. These days, fatherhood is everywhere. You can't get away from it. Not that blokes haven't tried. If you're not a father, you've got a father. You're a son of a dad or a daughter of a bloke. But either way, being a dad is no picnic. The fear, the anger, the confusion and, well, the love, of course. (laughs) Derek Myers and Dan Lee, together with their special guests, are here to share the highs and lows, the joys and the agony of being a modern dad. But most of all, to let you know that you're not alone. Hi, Dan. Hey, man. Oh, I've just realised I should I should pull over because otherwise it, we'll get, the reception's going to go in and out, isn't it? Well, it depends on where you're going. Are you in a car, <laughs> on a car speakerphone or something? No, I've got my earbuds in while I'm driving. I'll just pull over at the uh, at the uh, shops here. Yep. And um, do a vox just, pop. Uh, Drop a vox I'm just pop trying, on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to avoid all the crocodiles. To all our listeners out, uh, all over the world, this is actually true. Um, yeah, Dan man. is in Broome, which is a very remote part of northern Western Australia, if that makes sense. Mm. It is the most remote township in the world. Get out. It is. It, 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 wow. it, it actually qualifies as a, t- as a, as a centre. It's the most remote of anywhere in the world. It's 2,500 k's from Darwin or something is the closest actual other town uh, of a certain size or no from from the from the it's the most remote from a capital city anyway it's in the middle it's you know there's a lot of desert between us and everywhere else and there are crocodiles well yes and no i'm i'm dramatizing a bit the the crocodiles are very close to Broome. but they don't tend to they do shut the beach from time to time because there's a crocodile at the beach i thought they were in rivers those things I know they're saltwater crocodiles. They go, they they move around via the ocean. Oh, fuck. But this is the thing. This is what they tell you to make you feel better. <laughs> when there's a crocodile, when there's a crocodile at Cable Beach, yeah. the locals don't stop swimming because they know that crocodiles don't eat while they're in transit. They are territorial and they have a place where they live. And because the food that they catch has to be stuffed under an old log and let decompose for a few months, oh, okay. uh, oh, charming, yeah. charmingly, then they don't – they're not going to attack you in the open ocean because they've got nowhere to store your body. That's not enough information, so, Dan. <laughs> that is not enough. I don't, I'm not filled so, with confidence there. So the locals are very happy in that knowledge, but so they're not – but as far as the tourists are concerned, they have to close the beach. Um, but they'll also close the beach when there's sharks as well. And But the sharks here are, you know – they're not, they're not that um, vicious, really. What's the jellyfish of, vibe over on that side of the country? Well, in, in when we approach the wet season, the irigangi, which are like invisible tiny box jellyfish, come out. Oh, great. Um, so you don't really swim um, or you make sure there's a big ring of tourists between you and the open ocean so that they get stung first. Do they know they've been used as a as a <laughs> no. blue bottle fence? <laughs> Do you know, you know what the beauty of irigangi is? No. This is this is a charming little thing. Is this the piss so not one? only uh, apparently pissing on it 
helps. And also they have vinegar down there at the beach to, to splash on the wound. Dose the wounds liberally with vinegar, oh, yes, as I do uh, Billy Connolly used to say. But the reality of the Aragangi is it's the most excruciating pain you, you can imagine, apparently. Uh, you can't see them, so you don't know where they are. And, and they, they can kill you, but what's worse is that while you're going through this pain, they also have a chemical that affects your neuro, your neurology such that you become incredibly depressed. Oh. So they make you oh. really lose all hope. So it's not enough that you're in excruciating pain, but they thought, let's make this bastard think that the wor- life's not worth living as what well. What a combo. What a Isn't com- that extraordinary? Uh, genius. <laughs> genius. <laughs> So put that on your tourism WA posters. They look posters. clear, but there's a brain in there somewhere. Um, Fuck, it's incredible. Yeah. So good times up there. Um, when are you coming back, Dan? I mean, the show is doing really well since you've been gone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think because of um, your remote, exciting news and stuff like that coming back, um, well, I can't maybe. wait. I can't wait for the punters to hear. Um, to hear last week's show, I guess, and, uh, yeah, and yeah. getting and get a bunch of feedback on that. That's we. Yeah. That's where the real big adventures lie. Well, uh, this week I got Richard Bradley, who we referred to, Andrew and I uh, referred to him when talking about how he had to give up his base jumping when he had kids. So I cornered him and had a conversation with him, and I, I've known him for a long time. Um, it was a great conversation. Fascinating guy. Um, I won't say anything else about it, really. I mean, this whole thing about people thinking it's an exaggeration, the Crocodile Dundee thing, I think I said last time, yeah. it's really, it's really, uh, it's not an exaggeration. There's a lot of people up here, characters who do things on a daily basis that the rest of us would hope only to see in movies. Um, I mean, that's it's, it's all, that's the only way I can put it is it's, it's just all true. Well, you announced that that, that that last week's episode with Andrew, who goes out mm. on his own, tranquilizes and and captures uh, single handedly uh, rogue bulls. And you, I think you you opened up with something like, "He is the least wild adventurer of the people I'm going to talk to in the room." <laughs> and then I had a really good listen. I went, "You've got to be kidding! What is going yeah, on?" Yeah, look, no wonder Mick Dandy a- was. Uh, Perfectly at home, uh, walking over people's heads in a busy uh, mm. New York City railway station. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that the main difference, though, is that these stories are actually in reality more outrageous and extreme, yeah. but they look less and less like Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Like, like I'm thinking, well, if I get a photo of Andrew, he's a, he's a very normal-looking bloke. It kind of he he he, he kind of. He doesn't wear any of the kind of, uh, uh, you know, trophies around his neck or anything like that. Yeah, he's not a yeah. hardcore dude in, in, in the way he looks. But then people start telling you what, that what they do or what they've been up to and your jaw drops. Mm. So, mm. I guess anyway. that's, that's make, I guess the Hollywood side of things goes, right, we have to, we have to have a visual of, yes. of, of this yes, adventure of style and that includes yeah. parts of your dead uh, – you know, pray if you like. Wait till I tell you about. Um, uh, oh God, I've forgotten his name now. Um, uh, Will Hannigan. Mm-hmm. 
Will Hannigan's a local uh, fellow who's he's Indigenous, but he's also I think one of his parents might be Scandinavian, so he's kind of an Indigenous Viking looking dude. He he uh, he was. He was recently dating Demi Moore in America. He's, he's a pearl salesman. He's been selling Kimberly pearls in Hollywood. Oh, is he there now? I think he's there now. He's trying to get a, a show up, and he's an incredible character. He is really You've doing the – You've spoken about him on maybe on What Now last year. On right? What Now, I'm yeah. Sure. He's doing the full Kimberly rugged outdoorsman thing like and he's trying to and he's starting to sell it to the the americans but he also sells kimberly pearls because his family are part of the pearling one of the pearling dynasties up here um so he's got this sort of indigenous history as well as his kind of very uh pearling colonial i mean it's 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 wild he's an extraordinary guy And, and how good is it that someone from that history both First Peoples and also the pearling industry and way back in that area actually Mm. is the one that gets to tap in. It's not some uh, some guy, some, some, you know, blow in with an idea going, yeah, I'm going to tell me all your stories, I'm going to tap into it, right? If he's the guy who's actually the character, the, you know, the the product, that's awesome. It really is nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Look, it's it's wild, and I'm going to try and get and I and he's agreed to it. But a, a, the guy that runs Signet Bay Pearls up here, which was one of the first pearling endeavours on the Kimberley coast, um, and so his family go back way, way, way back into the century before last mm. um, in in Broome, and and that's a fascinating story too. So. Wow. I'll, I'll let you know about that. I'll I get. I'll wait. get him. I'll get him. Yeah. All right, Dan, but, um, well, look, the I punters, shouldn't, shouldn't yeah. talk too long because we got. This is a. We should get to the conversation. The punters are, are hanging to find out about this base jumping uh, dad. Yeah. And how they how yes. those two I'll, jobs I'll, blend I'll, together. <laughs> make sure you look in the show notes because I'll put a link to the YouTube video of him doing his famous um, base jump in budgie smugglers in a. Oh in in Switzerland or somewhere. Fantastic. So I'll be throwing that all over the socials as well. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Beautiful. And, all right, talk and to everyone, you soon. Everyone, on a last word, everyone, mm-hmm. uh, please subscribe and drop a five-star review on uh, on the iTunes and do all that kind of stuff. And follow on yeah. all the social medias. Hang on to your hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. It helps yeah. us move along and we get, we get as we're growing, we're getting, you know, more and more um, – Variety and interest in guests as well, so the whole exactly, thing gets better. Exactly. Thanks to it your improves feedback. our reach, doesn't it? It improves it our reach and access to different dads around the place. It's really making a difference. Mm, mm. So cool. All right, man. All right, I'll, see you, I'll, Danny. I'll, look forward I'll talk to you this. Soon. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> so this is Richard. This is uh, this is Hang On to Your Hat Fatherhood Podcast Kimberly series. I'm making it sound really real, real proper stuff so anyway and and richard i've known richard for about sort of six or seven years or something missy my wife and i met or got together basically rehearsing in the band that played at richard's wedding to kate so we this is a well-worn story that people have heard a lot about us the cable bitches and Uh, playing in the band and missy and i Whole dressing lot of up, yeah, doing a whole lot of love and doing I Was Made For Loving You, which has become our kind of song. But that was that all happened because you and Kate got married. And I came back early from Hanoi 
it was a big full moon on the 25th of May. May 2013. I raced back because the band was playing at Sun Pictures for your wedding and I wanted to make sure that I was dressed in a wedding dress and a corset and that I could pretend to be your your kind of uh, gay uh, <laughs> prostitute lover from King's Cross who was angry about you getting wed to this bloody hussy, right? And what a sterling job you did. <laughs> yeah. So we, we did, that was a great, uh, well, that was crazy. Resplendent man. with lyrics about my mother. That's right. <laughs> what good. did we change? Uh, 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 was that Lou Reed song? Lou Reed song. I've been told that you've, you've been, been bold with Richard, Richard Bradley's, Bradley's mother. Richard Bradley's <laughs> mother. Yeah. So that was good. Uh, so any of you who care, <laughs> that's the story. But, um, yeah, so Richard, when I met Richard, he was single, uh, crazy, like very, he's a big adventurer. Grew up in the Kimberley, well, all over the place, right? Yeah, I, I think first chapter was very much between the Kimberley. Well, if 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 your if your upbringing is a, is a split of three seven year cycles, the first right. seven was a hundred percent Kimberley, the second seven, and the third seven were f- sort of fifty fifty Kimberley various institutions um, in the south. Yeah. Um, institutions I, meaning schools, yeah, not, schools, not psychiatric yeah, yeah, facilities, out, out, outsourced educational institutions, yeah, 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 <laughs> outsourced. Um, but room. definitely, uh, yeah, very much a Kimberley upbringing, as far as I'm concerned, from an identity point of view. Yeah, um, we're going to get a lot of um, air traffic, brooms full of air traffic. There's going to be helicopters and planes and things flying over, oh, but yeah. don't let that uh, worry you. Uh, but yeah, so you, you, uh, um, what, what was it? So yeah, we were both single. You we, met Kate. Fell in love, then bang, hard and marriage, fast. kids, boom, hard and crashed. Fast. You were like, I remember when I first met you, we were talking about wanting to meet the right person and or something. I mean, we were, and you wanted to write your story, and you were, yeah. we were both talking about writing. We were both very, very single. 2010. Yeah, 2010. I went away to Hanoi at some point in there. You, you just went flat out into this relationship. Yeah, I had, well, I had a bunter year in 2011 because of a near-death experience and, oh, exactly. um, you know, depending on which way you want to look at it, uh, life throws you some spanners and uh, mm. the combination of buying that old haunted house and then uh, nearly sort of checking out at work mm. and then returning to Broome with this sort of 300 staples in my arm and a, and a, and a flash of a flash of the uh, end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, yeah, then it was... It was uh, Thunderbolts and Lightning and Kate. So. And Kate, and it all just kind of happened, like very similar to me and Missy. There, there was a, it was mm-hmm. a very fast thing. Like we referred to it as smoking brakes, you know. We're trying to put the brakes on a bit, but it's just. I didn't even put the brakes on. No, right? yeah, no, you didn't. We <laughs> I, could, put, we I could. put my foot down and said, right, when you know, you know. <laughs> I lived across the road at, at Will's place, who you heard from on a previous podcast, which is across the road from Richard's, and we could hear them shagging all night <laughs> from over here. It was love. It was love. It was passion. <laughs> it was full on. And then, and then yeah. Missy and I met at your wedding. Yeah. But now, listen, I, I, I'm, my head's bursting with kind of things to talk about, and I don't know really where to start. I mean, you've okay. obviously you've got three kids. Uh, yeah. And. You had a fairly adventure-seeking lifestyle prior to that. I've hinted at it a bit with Andrew's podcast. We were talking about um, saturation dining. So this incident, the near-death experience, was that just before Kate? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was um, in uh, early April, end of Mar- end of March, April um, 2011. I, I 
I was working subsea, so uh, underwater at about mm. 50 odd meters in what they call uh, saturation diving conditions. So I was saturated. Um, With out all of sorts di- of different Yeah, it's a gases. long and complex system, but if you Google it, you'll work it out. But yeah, I'm breathing helium and oxygen. So you're talking uh, like this? I speak like this. Um, <laughs> we're diving out of a bell underneath a, a vessel, a, you know, a diving support vessel system that's holding station on yeah. D- DP, dynamic positioning. It was three o'clock in the morning. I was using a high pressure water gun that was pumping out 20,000 psi salt water uh, to, to clear a, a subsea asset off the northwest shelf and the gun failed and I took 20,000 psi in the in the left forearm. Mm. Um, the a high pressure water blast injury at at any um, time is complicated but in those conditions are really quite dire. And uh, yeah, the rescue took uh, probably about 8 9 minutes to get back to the bell, which mm. was generally it was a one-arm self-rescue. Um, my diver too was just I was pretty quick on the on the return. Got mm. back and uh, yeah, ended up in well, it was a two day decompression from fifty odd meters, um, mm. and then a medevac low level flight in a in a private jet from Karatha down to Perth, and then a series of operations and debridements and skin grafts and end result back mm. in Broome about four weeks later with a bunch of staples in my arm and uh, I don't know I knew um, I just felt like I'd gone through a you know when you go through a window. Mm. You go through one window and then <clears throat> there's all these other windows that you never really expected. So, um, yeah, I probably I, I was only back five or six days and I met Kate. So that was before that. So yeah. you think you were in an open state. You were in a, you were in a new Absolutely. place. See, yeah. that's what happened to me when I got back from Hanoi. I, on the way back, I was saying I had finally given up on the idea of trying to find a woman to marry or have kids or whatever. I was like, look, it doesn't matter. I've got a great life in Broome. I'm coming home to your wedding yeah. to play in this band. We have great fun. Yeah. doesn't matter. So when then, when Missy was here, I was in this open state. I just didn't care. And it, that's a, I've never heard it said like that, but yeah. I, absolutely. Like, I, you know, things happen in your life, everyone's lives, that, that yeah. get them into certain, you yeah. know, statuses which, which – automatically open them up to other things and uh, like nothing a like a near-death experience or, you know, wh- whatever it is for you that, that puts you there. And I, I was very much there. And, uh, you know, for 2011, from my, from my point, I was 36, 37, and I just made critical changes to my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and end result was it all happened pretty fast too because, you know, as soon as I make my, up my mind about it, and I think I'm pretty proactive and... <laughs> Boom! Before you know it, you're, you're eight years down the track with three kids, and yeah, um, so having it's, a conversation it's like, about it's, it's it. Like the, it's like the escalator. I'm just imagining you. You know those es- those weird escalators they have at the airport. Those horizontal escalators, oh, the flat ones, so you can kind of run a lot. I suppose they're, so conveyor, just, they're steel conveyor belts. They're like conveyor belts. Yeah. I just imagine you. Ste- it's like stepping onto that and then running. Boom! You just like. That, that's what happens to me too. These accelerated periods. It, it, yeah, it was. That's what it was. Yeah. I, I entered an accelerator. Two thousand eleven was it? Yeah, it's excitement. Something opens up. Ooh. Possibilities Ooh. happen. So, just to make clear, what was really involved with this? You, you're, you've got a hole in your arm the size of, well, a huge hole in your arm between the two bones. Personally, I call it my arm gina. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a big um, crease at, now. At, at the commencement, like straight after the incident, it was about the size of a thumbnail. It looked like a bullet hole. It was sort mm. of. Quarterized, so this high pressure salt water had taken my suit and my undersuit and everything into my forearm. Yeah, but you know there was, I say, you know it was it was critical, but there were so many sort of luck factors that fell my way insofar yeah. as um, 
the the fat fatty tissue in my arm and the muscle and the t- the avoiding of tendons and um, mm-hmm. the working with I mean most importantly working with the good the good guys like uh, my teammates and mm. the, the supervisors and the vessel I was on was just it was you know it was one hundred and fifty percent professional so because you get back to the diving bell yeah, which you get is to a t- tiny little it's like yeah, a little it's a subsea pod canister yeah it's your safe bin, haven you you, yeah um, you get into the diving bell mm. subsea and that you shut the, shut the bell and the bell comes up locks on to lock, comes up through into the vessel and then the bell locks on into a hyperbaric chamber system. Oh, so you come straight up, but you can decompress at the surface? Well, yeah. So the, the bell itself, once you're in, you seal the hatch at 50 mm. metres, and then they bring oh. the bell up. And, and although the bell may be ascending through the – inside the bell is still 50 metres pressure. Mm. So, yeah, we come up into the system, um, and you're, you're at pressure there, and you lock – you lock on to the the main complex, which is a series of hyperbaric chambers with bed, you know, beds and a wash house and and uh, locks for transferring stuff into. But mm-hmm. you, whilst the guys on the outside can look through a porthole and see you, you're always you know a few days away from the surface. So yes. um, that's why you know it's good. right now your our blood is saturated with a oxygen nitrogen mix of the air that we breathe and in there we're saturated with a helium oxygen mix of Mm. gas that we breathe and so um yeah it's a strange concept but and um, so you're in there with this massive trauma to your arm yeah and you can't come straight out and get surgery so you have to deal with it yourself for a couple of days have to deal with it me and my teammates teammates, yeah my teammates and i've got to deal with it so we um at the same time on the outside they've they've notified medics and doctors and, yeah, and yeah. specialists so there's there's comms coming back to the vessel about how to treat and what to do mm-hmm. um and it, you know so I, I'm, I'm conscious and i'm in control and uh the pain is quite obtuse but it's intense mm. but what i suppose it's the mental space and that you you know it's a very complex injury because it's it's invasive and it's traumatic yeah. and it's taken stuff into your system and your circulatory system start to circulate it and you don't know if there was any gas in there and at the same time you've got to decompress so there's all these sort of uh, mm. There's all these uh, possibilities as you decompress, um, and that, you know the the one that I took the most was they gave me the option of painkillers, but I just felt that um, if I took the painkillers, they might mask any unintended consequences of the decompression. So I decided to ride um, the pain factor, Jesus which Christ. was a bit of a trip. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, just for me being at the bottom of the ocean and you can't come straight up is just beyond oh, look, terrifying to me. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the population living no, in those things is. I was saying to Andrew, you've either got you're either more evolved than the rest of us, or you're missing part of your fucking brain. Really, it's probably, to, to be, to it's probably the latter. Yeah, but you need dopamine. Some people say that evolution involves missing parts of your brain, so yeah, it could yeah. be a combination. But yeah, yeah look, you know, you. For whatever reason, it, it yeah. it's it's a chapter of my life that was really quite. Um, I wouldn't undo any of it, but did you have any major kind of cycle? Like, were you really? Was it all a bit of a blur, or were you in a con? Oh, was super there a conscious clear. change going on? Were you aware that this was going to change your outlook? No, I wasn't aware that it was going to change my outlook. But I was mm. just when it happened, things slowed down. It was that sort of flow state. I think you know when yeah. they talk about it all becomes autonomic. You know, your survival instinct kicks in. Yeah. Yes. It I wouldn't say out of body, but you just you just move. You just do what it takes to get back to 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 survive, I suppose. Um it's a it's a very clear thing. I remember it really, really clearly, all of it. And I think it'll it's one of those memories that'll never fade. Mm-hmm. And then to come out and get back and then to go through the whole process of rehabilitating and stuff, that was and then obviously falling in love. 
that was all, again all these un, unexpected consequences of of that. Um, so this 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 ma- you know, this huge scar on your arm was still being um, you know healed and worked on after you'd met Kate. Oh yeah, well, you were I, still in kind of. I think it was part of physical Kate therapy. and I's courting that she removed the staples. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> oh, that's so Kimberly. But you should have known this sort of shit was going to be in your life. When you told me the first job you had when you became a diver was in down in South America, in the south southern states of the US. Oh, yeah, Tell in us Panama. About that. With the, in Panama, with the, yeah. cro- with the crocodiles and yeah. the shot. Can you just briefly outline what that involved? Well, it, that was... It wasn't like my first commercial diving job was in the pearling industry, obviously, here oh, right. in Broome. But yeah, um, yeah. once I hit the road, yeah. um, having sort of – yeah, it's, it's a long story. But the end result was mm. that I was studying agribusiness and supposed to be working um, in Costa Rica for Del Monte, a big sort of agribusiness. And mm. I realized that it was just a giant sweatshop for Nicaraguans. And right. I was not impressed. And um, so I hit the road looking for waves and hitchhiking and I ended up being picked up on the Pan American Highway by this dude from Louisiana yeah. who, uh, <laughs> who unbeknownst, to me, unbeknownst to me uh, was a commercial diver heading down to Panama with some hydraulic chainsaws and dive gear to fetch up wood on the Caribbean side of Panama. This is underwater chainsaws. Yeah, yeah. Nothing too deep. Like I'm telling you, sort of maximum was six or seven metres of water but a lot of it was three to four. He had a barge with a high ab on it and uh, look, he... I think in the course of our drive down to Panama, we had a discussion and he found out I used to be a pearl diver and then I was okay with black water. And then he pulled up to us. Um, oh, it was the bar I'll never forget. There's a bar on the Pan American Highway in Costa Rica down the southern section where when the, when the, when the clouds clear, it's one of the few places that you can see both the Caribbean and the Indian Ocean. Right. Uh, uh, so the Caribbean and the Pacific. Right. So, um, yeah, we ended up in a bar and he lined up the shots and said, I've got a proposition and how about you come and work for me? And, uh, and you he- work into a movie studio and you just say the words underwater chainsaws <laughs> and they're going to go, wow, yeah, there's maybe, something in this. Maybe. Just add some zombies. Yeah, anyway, there's, there's all, there's all sorts on. of that. But look, So what know, was this proposition? The proposition was you come and work for me at 100 bucks a day. Mm. And um, and you know, it'll, you know, for a 21-year-old penniless yeah. sort of, student slash language teacher it was it was yeah just a call for call to adventure yeah <laughs> and he totally. was a wild dude and we ended up going down there and spending six weeks in the swamps and i made some bucks and he just kept telling me what are you doing studying you know agriculture you should be this is this is your life skill yeah i, was, I said what do you mean life skill with well you know <laughs> jumping over the water into swamps <coughs> with like he had a bentley pump action shotgun and if you know crocs came close he was louding off and so you're in the water I just go over the side with this hydraulic chainsaw. He finds a tree that's been sort of affected by the salt water and chain up. And then I go down at the base and zip it. He comes up on the high ab. The wood comes on board. And then later on, the wood's all chopped and stacked and sent back to America for furniture. And and he stands on the... On the bow of the boat. Well, it's on a boat. It's like a little yeah. dump barge, you know. It's pretty, all pretty basic. But he's got your back because he's got a shotgun on the well, boat. Well, he's got too. a shotgun, but, you know, it's it's more. <laughs> for the alligators, you know, the crocodiles. Show me a boy from Louisiana who doesn't have some sort of firearm. True, true, true. true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he kept saying, oh, this is your life skill. I was yeah. like, what really? do you mean? Yeah, black water. You should be doing this in the in the oil patch. And. Um, I started, he's, he was filling my head full of all these different stories and mm. Gulf of Mexico and whatnot. And I thought, well, I, yeah, maybe, maybe he's right. 
and oh, and then um, you start doing yeah, and I more just serious diving. I started doing some research, and yeah, before you know it, I was I finished my degree and went to dive school. So uh, hell bent, uh, that was my driving ambition. I was going to try and make it as a commercial offshore diver, right? Right, and which I you know over the next eighteen years I did. Yes, which you sort of don't do now. You're not totally close to it, but you're oh, pretty much done with it. I've sh- I've shut the gate as best I can. It's kind of yeah. it's a hard thing to kick. Um, yeah. Well, when you're a, like a thrill addict like you are, I mean, this is you. You were a base jumper. You had to sell your bat wings when you got <laughs> when was it because so so then Richard has a family with Kate, and there's all these things that suddenly become perhaps inappropriate as a father, right? Things. One of which was the bat wings jumping off buildings or uh, jumping off cliffs. Yeah, like I changed a lot of behaviours after <laughs> 2011. Um, base jumping uh, and eventually saturation diving and, yeah. and a lot of my low-level flying as well, aircraft. Um, I just realised that, you know, the, the previous existence I'd had was n- – Obviously not conducive to being a, a parent or fam, you know, right. a, a family man, and um, but that was all right because I was committed. I was, a, a, I had no intention of having kids. I was no, right, I was exactly. down the road, you know. Yeah, I was, I was the same. Um, mm. I, I was pretty impressed to have made thirty and really not expecting to make forty, mm. um, but having a good time uh, and f- especially like for me the my my risk reward ratio and the physical environment has has always been. Um, Leaning more to the the, the the riskier side, should you say? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, and that that stems from having grown up in the Kimberley with uh, you know with an old man who flew, and m- most of the men in my life that were uh, important flew and had had uh, pursuits that were uh, they came with a fair degree of physical risk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, it was probably not a surprise that I ended up being that one of those Type A people that pursued. Yeah. Probably almost gratuitously pursued more dangerous stuff, um, trying to emulate those that those that went before me. Who yeah. knows? Well, Who knows? See, there's a whole lot of stuff in there about fathers and sons and parenting, isn't there? Like, like I, I mean, it's in a, in a funny way. You and I are, aren't that different. Like, like ostensibly we are because I'm the last person who's going to do any of that shit you've done. Like, that's just I'm. But I've I spent a long time in my twenties and thirties doing very risky behaviour. On more of a psychological and 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 uh, you know with experimental with, yeah and just crazy behaviour and drugs and alcohol and all that sort of stuff and it, I wonder how much they were motivated by similar things. I I, I, I couldn't agree more. Like um, I was I, trying to bust through something. I was trying to fucking get the biggest rush in some way or other. Did I? Right? Did I? And uh, honestly, and, and honestly, the. The people and the the experience I had, I, I come across a lot. You know, I hung out with the reason we're all friends in the first place is that mm. you and I have shared the mm. various outer realms of physical, chemical, experiential right. uh, pursuits. And um, whether you're playing with pharmaceuticals or social situations or the physical environment, it mm. doesn't really matter. If you're someone that pushes the envelope, right? you push the envelope. And you have this kind of weird... See, I always thought, I, I never thought of it, though I had suicidal moments definitely throughout my life. Oh, but I, but tell I do, me about it. Yeah, but, but that really risky behaviour when I'd go, you know what, I'm going to go with these people and I'm going to take whatever they give me and, I'm gonna, and it's going to be day five and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like that, but it wasn't like me going, I don't care. 
I don't care anymore. I want to die or anything like that. No, no, but, no. So there was a there was definitely an element of of kind of getting that wicked look on you, that wicked excited look in your face, and I'm just, you know it's naughty uh, and going for it and being a kind of cowboy. Yeah. Um. But but it's still kind of suicidal and risk behaviour. It's uh, and I wonder. It's, what that's about. It's like that 80s band, Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah. You, you know, it's, it, it is, it's, I think it's a, it's young, brave behaviour. Which, which most, at least men, Yeah, from a, from a masculine of, point of view, it's yeah. like, someone told me once that life was a four-act play, 20, 20, 20, 20, you know, you get 20 yeah, years. Right. Yeah. And, the, you know, the, the first act, the first 20 was about growing up. Yeah. Um, the second act was about showing up and pushing that and going out to slay dragons and get your bear right. skins. The third act was about like giving up or putting back. You know, mm. if, you, if you get into the third act at sort of, you know, 40 to 60, you're, you, it's your turn to give back. Mm-hmm. And then if you're lucky, you get a fourth act where you get to reflect on all of that. And, yeah. and, and you know. Um, That's the synthesis. That's the magician. I yeah, think, when yeah, you yeah. you become the kind of. Yeah, exactly. And I, I definitely <coughs> think that both you and I uh, – our our second act, we definitely uh, <laughs> we've had our share. We've had our share of good times and experiences that were, to some, might be considered frivolous. But f- from my point of view, I just you know, I was committed to going out there and seizing every single possible experience. Yeah. And I, I I definitely yeah. played around a little bit with my pharmaceuticals, but f- I found the the buzzes I got from from the physical environment, whether it be, you know, climbing up antennas mm. or cliffs and fl- jumping off them with wingsuits and um, sucking it low with sort of low-level base jumps or low-level aerial mustering or, you know, mm. especially free diving, spear fishing, a lot of the sat diving commercial, like professional environments that I worked in initially to get my body of experience, there was very, very ragged edge stuff, you know, <laughs> hanging out with what I call the the rogue gallery in the periphery, you know. It's mm. um, and I wouldn't wouldn't undo it for the world, but you mm. meet a lot of our types of people who are way way on the spectrum, and you know, yeah. from my point of view, a lot of them have passed. You know, they they checked out, and um, there's been no shortage of carnage and loss. And how many um, of your base jumping mates? I oh, don't even get me going. It's double figures, easy. You yeah. know, I can go through the list and yeah, you know, recount. Yeah, it's. That was so that urge. It's a weird because the the urge is not purely self destructive. It's also a love of and desire to embrace life. Totally. And, but there, but so it's. See, I was I was still. We're in different environments. I was in a, in a world that was, uh, much sort of smaller and and to do with. Uh, all these creatives. people in the city and creatives behaving in w- wild, crazy ways and pushing their things and doing performances and drugs and alcohol and things like that. And th- there's lots of kind of refugees from that now. And the, the, the damage is... The damage from that is far more, I would say, deep-seated than the damage that I've had from, a, yeah, from so the physical environment. Yeah, you just, yeah, if you don't die, you're yeah, all right. I'm all in or it's out or yeah. it's not. I, don't, I, never, I never wanted to go halfway. No. And, I, and I, I think, you know, now that you bring it up like that, I think I always thought um, from my experiment with drugs and alcohol, A, I'm not, a, I'm not that person, but B, yeah. I just couldn't handle the fallout 
from no. the, from the days of after. And I was just like, this isn't, you know, I never got that sort of fallout from, you know, doing a, a base jump or, or, or a big free dive. You'd, the, the clarity or the, the, mm. that very edginess of it was, you know, the after effects of that is something that rides with you forever. And it's, a, yeah. and it's a clear and positive thing, but the after effects of, of the drug and alcohol, I just couldn't, ju- from my risk reward ratio, right. just mm. didn't add up for me. Well, then that for me just, propels me back into it yeah because right because the suffering you're going through means you have to go back to the yeah, stuff you're back and, in the cycle and you're in this cycle of lowering your self-esteem of hating yourself more which comes from somewhere yeah it's much more of a psychological kind of um snake eating its tail what i was doing i think okay. there's there's a there's a lot of um ouroborean kind of stuff that feeds you back in where your stuff's well it's physical yeah, that's not to say there's not a psychological element to it, of course. Not but, at all. I mean, d- for sure, and the, s- the base thing, especially there's <clears> the <throat> macabre, <throat> macabre interest. What I found when I was deep and deeply embroiled in my in my base jumping pursuits was that, um, you know, as friends entered the, you know, as friends, what we went in, mm. i.e., they checked out. They, we we call it going in, but as they died, you'd be curious to know about the incidents and stuff, and then you'd be there would be this sort of really weird celebratory sort of thing where people mm. would just the behavior would become more intense and you'd get back into the mountains and push it even further and yeah. um it's almost tempting fate you know gratuitously mm. tempting fate <laughs> you see i definitely was doing that and then then when it all went bad i'd go oh no i don't want to do this anymore you know yeah, I mean? right. when the psychological impact of it yeah uh got when i got the fear basically it yeah. would it got worse, but I still don't fully understand it. I don't understand the, the, whether how much of oh God whether, whether you're an addict first or you be, or your personality type or whether you who's under the influence of what. It's so complicated. Um, but the only way to kind of I, I had to be severed from it, from that behaviour long enough to get it. A view of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's and so. and and you've got the view now because mm. you. How long are you clean now? Ten years. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant. Mm. Well, I'm. I'm. How long have you been off the base jumping? I've um, been off the base jumping since 2000 and early late 2010. Okay. And honestly, I kind of I miss the camaraderie and the, right. the the long walks in the mountains, knowing you'll not have to walk down. Um, but at the same time, oh, I, yeah. I just I see that as a really cool fun chapter of my life yeah but and one that i can return to at any time the mountains aren't going anywhere um then i still from like i'd imagine it would be the same for any but i still will drive around <coughs> and see an antenna or a building and just do the calculations and work out how you'd need to pack and what your free have fall you done any home. illegal off building ones i've done a couple yeah. yeah yeah did you get caught for them i never got caught so, because they've got to then find you, right? They've got to. Um, this all happens pretty quick. Uh, yeah, depending on where you want to jump. Like there yeah. are legitimate, there are legitimate, easy ones. Like I did the London Eye. Yeah, right. Uh, which was kind of a rush. Yeah. Escaped down the Thames. Um, <laughs> did a couple of buildings in Sydney. Yeah. Um, did a few a couple of antennas that I won't name. Um, sure. Yeah. So, uh, the, but the illegal stuff for me was always. Um, it's always low level, nocturnal, and these urban gorillas that do all that sort of shit. It's not my cup of tea. Perfectly, no, no. Personally, I like the Alps, you know, sort of the yeah. Dolomites, Alps, Natural the, the, world the fjords in Norway. Um, yeah. it, the big, 
the big ter- what we call terminal walls, um, the ones where you can really start working on flight trajectories and that sort of shit. There's two oh. words, terminal and wall, that just put together like that just ha- <laughs> strike. You know, I get a chill. Hey, I'm, I'm sure you've got your equivalent in the. Uh... <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, I don't can't believe the sorts of behaviour I got up to too. But look, let's look. This brings us then to. So if we if there are these weird parallels in our stories, yep. then we both went headlong into relationships and family not expecting to yep. and kind of thinking and, 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 and how does that translate? And this is a big question. It's hard to just maybe just. I won't be, well, let's not be frivolous. I think what it mm. is for me personally, it was a restart. You know, um, it was, it was me realizing, all right, that was, this is set, this is third act. Yeah. See, I'm into chapters too. I feel like this is third act. I just, it was a super delineation. Yeah. And, um, I, I realized I I came across the person Mm -hmm. that I wanted Mm -hmm. to change my, my, my life for. Yeah. You know, I, I came across a person that, um, who I just totally, Instantly, completely got. It was totally clear to us when we saw the two oh. of you together. It took me ten minutes or five minutes, and I went, "Oh fuck, yes, of course." Bloody, she's, cl- she's it's as cliche crazy as him. It's cliche as hell, and I honestly, I really yeah. never, I, I tried to steer away from cliches, but struck down, mate, struck mm. down. And as soon as that happened, then mm. I, I, you know, I, I, I made the the decisions and the choices to you know to for longevity and yeah. that doesn't mean i've become a hermit but mm. um you know i i think from my point of view i just i had to get a, rid of the 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 things that would kill me quickly for no particular reason and so you know an aircraft whose engine was on condition and had already missed a beat um wingsuits parachutes all that stuff had had to go yeah. Um, and that's all right. And, you know, I, I realized also the sat diving as much as I've, I've, um, I've loved it and I still love it. It's not, you know, I've kicked all the goals that I wanted to kick there. Um, mm. and so I, you know, I didn't kick that instantly. I, I've, I've sort of had to wean myself off that. I'm mm. three years clear of sat diving now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think about it now and then, but then, um, and then I don't and I go, well, you know, it's behind me. So, um, yeah, you know, you make the changes and then all of a sudden you have one kid and another kid and before you know it you've got three and... Yeah. Now, but does any of this... Sorry. Yeah. Does any of this make it easier for you to deal with the, the problems of, uh, of child raising and the stress that's involved with that? Does, does any of this past experience... Or, or all of it. Right. Absolutely. Like, really? Yeah, yeah. From my point of view, uh, the reason I didn't want to have kids is that essentially I felt that... Mm, um, well, firstly, the world was overpopulated, yeah, especially yeah. having I done so much travel. And I spent a lot of time in Africa and India. And um, and then you come back to really Pleasantville, Australia, where they're moaning with, the, you know, festering in affluenza. And I just thought, mm-hmm. I just, I, I was really quite judgy and oh, I'm not doing that, you know. Mm. I don't want to, and especially like a lot of my peers that had gone down that road, I just sort of, I didn't want to be. I don't know, I contributed to the the over Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, and um and so when I decided that, okay, we're gonna have kids, okay, well I'm gonna take all of my life lessons from when I was a kid and then from this last you know, this last twenty years and I'm 
you know, and I think the one one of the few constants in my life has been reading. I've just devoured literature. You and I have had so mm. many conversations about different books. And, mm. um, I've never had a TV in my life, and mm. books of and learning and having yeah. yarns with people and having other men in my life and other other mentors. Mm. I just this is the giving back. You know, that third chapter we give back and. All right, so I'm going to be a conscious parent, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to take from what I've learned, mm-hmm. and I'm going to endeavour to to impart it, without being a, a zealot or a righteous, you know, so and so. Um, and yeah, I'm going to try and bring into the world three beautiful, potent individuals that make a difference, that are intuitive and instinctive and creative and compassionate and like, have mm. all solid values. And, um, you know, I don't want their life to be too easy, but then again, I don't want, you know, um, I don't, I want, I want them to be challenged. And mm. that's what I've, you know, Kate and I have had long conversations about this and that's what we're endeavoring to do. <laughs> Give or take a few mistakes, but, um, you know, I think definitely all that previous behavior and my kids, as they grow, they will come to know it and I don't deny it. But, um, I also think as they get older, um, I'll start to push the envelope more because I think, you know, um, kids need, from my opinion, they need to see more than anything, especially boys, they just need to see, see you need to model for it, you know. You, they need to totally. see it yeah. in play. Um, and the best lessons are, are, you know, from a small boy's point of view, if they're watching, uh, small kids' point of view, is they're watching their parents and how they react to situations and yeah, yeah. people totally. and yeah. events and that sort of stuff. And um, that's why, yeah. you know, I... I yeah, I, as much as I often lament the loss of all that fast lane existence, especially with the elder two, I'm starting to feel it. There's, you know, you can feel how you can push the envelope with your kids as well, and that that's super exciting. Yeah, oh, it is. Oh, it's it so is. good. I mean, I think that for me, I'm just listening to that stuff, and I'm trying to compare my situation a bit. And and I, the, I, I've still got the the thing I find most difficult is that there's still so much. Uh, stuff I'm trying to sort out about my own psychology. And I know everyone is on some level with that, but when the kids came along for me, it just showed me where all my, as it should and does for people, but it, it's it started unearthing all this um, psychological issues that were underpinning my behaviours in the past. Right. So like the things that are beneath the alcoholism and the drug use and the and the and certain behaviours, and there's nothing you can do about that. Kids should bring up, should be raising you as much as you them. Like you, it's an opportunity to learn, right? Yeah. And and but what has happened for me is that I've I'm very conscious of wanting to be mentally well for them, right. so that I can be here. And I'm trying to figure those things out and fix that stuff while they're screaming and shouting, and it's like I feel like I'm. Wow, you know, it's, it's hard because everyone has a bit of this. There's no, it's. I'm not trying to separate myself from everyone else and say it's harder for me. I only know my own experience. Knowing you, Dan, as well, I I, I tend to think that you, uh, from my point of view, is that mm-hmm. I think you you're so curious that you tend to overanalyze. Oh yeah, that stuff and yeah. I, and kids as well. There's just no filter on them, you know. They're well, except that they, the, they the, pick up. You know, if you're if you're back cataloging your behaviours, I reckon like Sammy's picking that up and go, oh, Dad's too busy trying to work out his reaction. Well, I'm but gonna- that's what worries me. But this is what worries me is that I want to be, I don't want to be m- missing. 
I want to be present enough in this early stage of their lives. The problem is that with some of my mental health issues, it's not I'd, analysis and explosive crazy thinking is a problem for me. It's what's helped me creatively. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? A double-edged sword. But yep. the problem is that it manifests in quite a physical incapacitating way. When I have these periods of like recently of real anxiety and dissociative stuff, like proper mm-hmm. mental health sort of, it's quite cyclical where, I'm, where I feel really impotent and, and powerless to do anything, especially with my family there that that's the stuff that's been disturbing for me right because i feel like oh i'm i'm in trouble at the moment and i can't if if they need me it's horrible as a father to feel like you're not doing or capable of doing your yeah job. I, I i get what you're talking there mm. i mean uh, that that sense of um i think what you're doing there as well and i i, I, feel, I find it as well you, you heap expectation on yourself yeah i like I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And we live in this time where, I don't know, there seems to be people are generally time rich with their parenting, you know, this, yeah, this bourgeois, middle class, mm. over-educated, first world parenting that you and I are part of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really easy just to to get lost in it all. And I think the one of the things that I'm really conscious of is just to step away from them. <laughs> like, for sure, when you're with them, mm. be present. But have plenty of time where they just let them fall down, let them make yeah. their own mistakes. Yeah. I, you know, Kate and I have had very different upbringings mm. and there's there's no, as far as I'm concerned, there's no correct way to bring up a kid because mm. you look at some of these people that come out of the most horrific scenarios and they turn into beautiful human beings and then other kids that have had every seeming advantage turn out to be psychopaths. You know, yeah. um, there is, as Alan Gray will tell you, there is this, karma that comes with all of us and i especially when i'm starting to beat myself up or i'm getting uh what's the word like i'm i'm just uh i'm getting anxious about not doing the right job i just yeah. i find the advice that was given to me by someone that validates or that takes me away from the situation um and kate will often say oh you're just you're not there i said well i don't want to be there all the time yeah yeah you know totally. um because yeah. The last thing a kid needs is a hundred percent over the top present parent who's, you know, no, we're doing them damage by being oh, by trying shocking, to entertain shocking. them. Shocking, shocking. So, of the day. like, and very much this is what we're about in so far as every chance get just get them out. Yeah, yeah. Go and entertain yourselves. Go bush. You know, really get up to mischief. Bored. Cross the street. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing I, I reckon if you if you're over. Overparent, you deny all those instincts, all that intuition, and all that stuff where they've got to feel people out and they've got to feel situations out, and they do make mistakes. That's cool, mm-hmm. but to you know, if they need to run back, you're there, but then run away again. You know, um, no, I look, I agree with all that stuff. My my thing is more of a concern about my own issues swallowing up my my thinking and my. So see, on one can, hand, I, I can you isolate that from when you're well, with I'm Sammy. Tr- yeah, Jen, well, I'm trying to. This is there's been this sequence of unearthing of I'm I'm figuring out stuff that I can that I'm also putting to rest at the same time. Uh, okay, but, I, but it's like you when got I got sober, parenthood and therapy at the same time. Well, there's there's degrees of sobriety because when you, when you've been just plastering booze and drugs over the top of these issues, yeah. then there's there's a lot of stuff that's been untreated. 
And and so getting sober brings it to the surface. Yeah. But then what kids are like, kids are like, like I felt like before I had the kids, I was moving along and I was gradually fixing up or coming to terms with or just letting go of the issues that were underpinning all that crazy behavior when I was younger. Yep. Because I'm sober. Yeah. But then you add the two kids particularly on to that and suddenly sleep deprivation. What sleep deprivation. What they're doing is they're they're triggering by not no fault of their own, they're being kids, but no. they're triggering all of these Dark underlying horses. mental things. And yeah. I go, Jesus, why am I getting so So on one hand I go, All right, now I need to address that because I've this is my opportunity to fix that so that I can not burden them with it. Yep. Right. But on the other hand, I don't want to spend all my time in my head and I don't want to I don't want to be indulging this stuff. So it's the line between all right, trying to trying to make yourself to recover yourself or get yourself better yep. versus indulging it or or in, or um So I'm guessing this You pod- can't just ignore it. This podcast is a form of that. Though, isn't it's it? totally that for yeah. me. I mean for Derek it's he's interested in podcasting as a as an art form. Who's Derek? That. Derek's my podcast partner on this. Oh right. Usually it would be he and I talking. Where to are you, Derek? <laughs> yeah, he's in <laughs> sunny Melbourne. Okay, but like I'm in it totally for the self therapy, and it's probably you know self indulgent and whatever. But I need it because I'm, I'm trying to. Dude, I'm. And guys don't talk to each other that much, and when you don't get out as a father, particularly in Melbourne. I go to the podcast. Us thing. guys do. Us, well, this is why I love Broom. Like yeah, I've got right. people like you and Will yeah. and everyone who we have long conversations or as men together yeah. about all these issues. Yeah. Um, and that's influenced the way I'm doing this podcast. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing what we yeah. got. And I figure if I'm coming up against it in the podcast and I'm trying to figure my shit out, I don't have to, then that's of interest to people, I hope. Because they relate to it. Absolutely. They can go, oh, he's... It's universal. Yeah, yep. rather than me coming in all fixed and going, <laughs> now, the way to rear children is like this. Because there's a million <laughs> podcasts with giving you the perfect three-step oh. uh, solution to raising kids. I'm nowhere near that, and I, and I don't know, and I'm, I'm trying to figure it out, and then I'm having conversations with people in order to do that. And, and if that it. works for people, then... Oh, yeah, I think... You know, I think it doesn't... <laughs> Fuck it. Well, it's all right. Like the the main thing is we keep having conversations. Yeah. I, I you know, and this is it's a it's a dying art form in anywhere that's too connected. I mean, we say this yeah. ironically, but you know, we live in content rich times, and here we are having a podcast, having a yarn. But yeah. you and I have these yarns, whether there's anyway. a mi- whether there's a microphone in front of us or not. And from my point of view, my life, there's always you know, I think being incarcerated, I've spent just about just short of three years if you look at the cumulative total of my life mm. incarcerated inside these steel canisters d- diving chambers mm. um close quarters with men not of my choosing um and so invariably some of them you can talk to some of them you, you keep the talk to a minimum yeah. um i and, and then i think if you throw into the mix the fact that i grew up between a cattle station and then sort of single sex boarding schools i've had this very um and I'm a sensitive soul, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people would call me insensitive, but that'd be the the barrier. But I've had a life where I've had conversations with men the whole way through, and I I think it's that's new to me. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's right. Why it's so important. Cool. It's really important, and yeah. it's something that you've got to cultivate. You just mm. it just doesn't happen. It's just 
from my point of view now at 44, I, I get, I get it. I, I will reach out to people and, um, I naturally want to have yarns with people who interest me. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk oh, about, yeah. I want to talk about real things, real <laughs> issues, you know, yeah. um, and, this is case in point, you know. Um, happens all the time here. As soon as I flew, landed in Broome, yeah. I saw someone at, at the cafe who started just, just launched into the state of the world and the, and the psychology of this and that. And I'm like, wow, I'm like 10 minutes off the plane. Like, <laughs> You're into the good stuff. No one asks me what's going on, on back home and, that, and we don't. It's just this. No. It's a sort of a connection place. Yeah. And Broome has been that for a lot of people oh, for many heaps, thousands of years. So it's just, I think it's also because you we're isolated, you know, we've got, we're surrounded by desert and the ocean. Mm. Uh, and it's got that real northern vibe where people are running away or they're off on a, they're mm. off on a journey. It's, it's very sort of alchemist sort of country, you know, where for whatever reason they've, they've come and they want to let go of what's behind them and they just want to be. It's and, a diving um, bell in the <laughs> desert. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, yeah. And, and it's a kind of a pressure cooker yeah. too because you've got that whole monsoon, oh. dr- wet, dry thing yeah. and that, that sort of that build up seasons. to release. And then the introspective wet season where there's, if you're still here, there's a lot of isolation. Yeah, and the shared, I mean, shared hardship. I th- yeah. I'd imagine it's the same as those people that live in the far north of Scotland. Yeah. You know, yeah. where they, that, in in the good times, all the tourists are there. You don't see each other, but when you see each other across the street, in it, when it's stinking hot and everyone's bailed, and the sand flies and the mosquitoes, or if you're in Scotland, the snow and the rain, you just you might not even mm. be mates, but you look at each other. You go, "Hey, we're, yeah. we're sharing this." <laughs> so there's an annual reckoning in Broome, which is which I think is very valuable that we don't get in the city because the city's 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 a year, right? Like it's all the same. And generally here, a very comfortable climate. Look at all yeah. that, you know. Whereas you've got this period at the end of each year where it's like, right, we're going to have to hunker down and, and, yeah. and there's going to yeah. be introspection. Yeah. Don't look at rope in that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay away from <laughs> That branch could hold my weight. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. and, and I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, you know, th- we're sitting here in the dry season under the mango tree and it's it's balmy and lovely and, every, you know, the – the tourists are full, but for me, the Kimberley mm. always give me wet season every day of the oh, week. Yeah. It's because um, I, I love the struggle and I love the and the, the and the daily drama. I mean, you go to the beach and you watch the weather fo- unfold like a Shakespearean tragedy. Oh yeah, that that that. But any with this atmosphere, storm is... front. You know that storm front that comes across and it's just sparking and flashing. Yeah, and it's yeah. coming towards you, and then it fucking unloads like the tempest. Vanishes again. And the big and anvils coming in from yeah. various directions. Oh. And light shows yeah. then. And the country the, as well. Like the country yeah. drinks it up and the it frogs changes. are calling out for fucking rain like in Frog the song, play, bro. You know? <laughs> well, they're literally for if if people haven't heard me talking about it in the, my play Bottomless, used the frogs in Broome as a kind of mechanism to ratchet up the anxiety because when the wet's on its way but hasn't quite arrived, the frogs start jumping the gun. They get excited because the males are croaking. When they hear thunder, it's like, well, that means we need to find a puddle 
and lay eggs. So they're calling out to the females, right? Mm. They're going, right, it's happening, it's happening, mm. it's happening. And then, But they, they do it at the sound of a car backfiring. Yeah. Or if you slam a door in a house, they start up and you're like, it's not fucking thunder, you idiot. It's not rain. The other but one. they're like, they're going, come on, give us the fucking rain. <laughs> The, the other one, which I reckon often gets overlooked a lot, mm. but it becomes the soundtrack to madness as well, and um, is Cicadas. the Cicada Din. <laughs> yeah. oh, Cicada Din is just, mm. it's kind of like that level of static. that. Well, and it, it's oscillating and then it becomes one sound and then it starts to wobble again yeah. in your head. It's yeah. like some torture. Could be used for great effect in a horror film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck, man. It's very dramatic. It's a naturally dramatic place, and it attracts dramatic people. Yeah, well, yeah. I, like having having spent so many so many years of my life in and out of this place, I um I can't help it. It just keeps pulling me back. As far as I'm concerned, it's um yeah. it's yeah it's it'll it'll always be a pretty important location in my life. Mm. Um, so now, look, what as far as fatherhood goes, what's what's your um. Is that something you like entered into? Did you have a whole lot of ideas about it at the beginning? Because this was a fast transition. Wow! Did you? For, no, I look, I you, met her and said, "Let's do it." I'm so all in. I. What was that all about, man? Uh, After years of saying, "I'm not going to do it," so this, <laughs> you just rewrite the story to me. That, that was that's pure. Turn yourself into a procrastinator. It's oxytocin, <laughs> hey? man. The strongest drug known to man. Oxytocin, oxytocin. Yeah, yeah. It's primal. It's evolutionary. Mm. Whatever. It's um. Yeah, you just say you were going to do something, then do the complete damn opposite, and but, then rewrite the story. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and try not to write the same story that you know you've done. But yeah, take what you've take take from what you've learnt and endeavour to bring the, bring the little people. So parenthood for me is um, it's that chapter where I'm going to give back, but it's also it's a time where I've got to uh, what's the word we we've got to work as a team. Mm. Um, I want you know I'd love. I know it's traditional, I suppose, in that respect, but I, I, I want to make it a team effort mm-hmm. um, for someone who'd been a soloist for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, for me, the, the, the main voyage is with her, you know. Um, this this amazing person that came into my life and changed everything, I, I just want to make sure that the little people that come underneath us know and intrinsically understand it's as a result of our union and our our, yeah. our commitment to to a team and mm. you know i think you know, missy said it the other day it's it's just when all the lust and the love and all that 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 glitzy thunderbolt and lightning shit's gone it's just something that you work at and there yeah. are good days and bad days it. and when 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 the affection and the love is short coming you've got to just do the work and and when you do that you Get through these various impasses, mm. then you're in, you're you're deeper and more understanding of each other. And and if the kids are a, a part and privy to that, then I believe that builds the mm-hmm. the foundation on which you're going to make generally balanced human beings. I hope that's not to say well, that. But <laughs> we, it seems like this is a very common place that people miss or they they let go is the relationship between you and your partner right? uh, for me it's tantamount yeah i mean it is but yeah. it's easy when especially when the second third way the more busy things yeah. get to if you let that if you don't nurture the relationship between the two of you and as you say as the team thing and nurture that idea then you'll start to become yeah something else and yeah. Then, then it puts the whole thing like like 
putting your relationship aside for the benefit of the kids is a ludicrous idea. Really. Oh, it's the it's, beginning uh, of the end. It's the beginning of the end. And there's so yeah. uh, you let's have a look around us. There's so many of these mm. the these sort of car crashes mm. where um they the kids get put before the yeah. the main event and then you know it all starts unraveling and for me I, and that's that's my call i i you know i definitely come across scenarios where i look at what's happened and you know i make that judgment I, I, people say i shouldn't be judgmental but i you know at the end of the day we all got to make judgments judgment. we've got to make judgments to make decisions you know yeah. without a decision there's no judge yeah, there's got to be a degree of it so um you know i've for me i've always been about finding good models on which to to model myself and i've got these i'm fortunate in that i've got really amazing examples of families that i, I look to mm. when i'm struggling and and so well, you know and 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 also great people to talk to about this oh look you know we're faltering or yeah. let's can we have a discussion I'm, i've got an issue with one of my kids or mm-hmm. there's an issue with and i'm not afraid to do that i think in a lot of people mm-hmm. that in our circle of friends we're not afraid to have this chat um, and talk about shit that's, you know, pertinent. And if it if it doesn't get dealt with, you know, things could start to unravel. And the great thing about that is that no matter what the outcome is, you're modelling a behaviour that says it's a good idea to seek help. Yeah. To communicate with other men, to nurture your relationship with your partner because they're they're picking that up. If you're modelling, forget about your wife partner. And just nail on the head, nail on the head. And I'm going to go so far as to say that I had an amazing upbringing, a really unique one, and my parents were incredible people and Mm. are incredible people. But where my parents unraveled was that point that you just raised. They, he, I don't ever recall my dad saying, "Hey, um, I need, I've, I've, I've made a wrong call here. I need some help." I never, Mm. there's never been a shout for help from dad as. It, it, it's always been something you either had to feel and try and hold out, you know, the branch. And mm. I'm acutely aware of that when I deal with my kids and I make an er- error or a mistake and I, I have to come to them and, and, and apologise. And it's <coughs> it's new ground for me because I never mm. recall my dad saying, hey, I've I fucked up, man. Mm. I've made a bad call. This is what's happened. I'm wrong. Um, you know, let's... And then using that as a place for... for- Let's, teaching them, yeah, I, I need some help or can you help me or I need to talk to someone about this. And there was none of that. It was all let's bottle it up and try and deal with it on, on our own. And, uh, yeah, for me, that's that's when I know as a parent that I'm, I'm hopefully progressing in this in a, in a, in a different direction, not, not, not any better or worse, but in a different direction yeah, yeah. to the, to the way that, uh, you know, to the errors or the mistakes that I saw or the, the, the lacking that I had in my, my upbringing, because there were so many other amazing things yes. that, that weren't lacking, you know, but, um, the, the areas that were, I've, you know, I have the benefit of time yeah. to work it out. There's this extraordinary understanding of your own parents that comes of being a parent, isn't it? And, and I went oh. through this phase of being super aware of their shortcomings yeah. but then then more recently i've gone i've realized just how much they did as you say for, yeah. like and most of the the things with the, where they went wrong or the shortcomings i totally understand now yeah you like, get it look that's totally human that's totally what I'm, and then i'm amazed that they were able to 
do what they did do and spend the time they did do. I no longer care about it must be, certain absences. It must be were, trippy for them to look and yeah. li- and even listen to podcasts like this where we're having these conversations. Yeah. You know, I, my childhood was very much a 70s, 80s yeah. um, child of type alpha parents. Right. That didn't sit around and have these fucking discussions. Kids were just, you know, they didn't seen and not heard, so to speak. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I was shipped out of boarding school at seven. Yeah. You know, so um, don't get me wrong, mum was still an amazing mum, but it was mm-hmm. it was the circumstance of our where we lived and what was going on. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the the fact that we're going to sit down here and on a weekday and have a yarn about parenting, <laughs> they must be just. It must, just, must be a weird thing. Dad, if you're listening. what they were. I'm just trying to improve or do better or, yeah. you know, do do the best I can. And sorry <laughs> for making your life such a difficult thing for a period of time. I mean, we kids are hard no matter what. Oh, like, yeah. They're going to test you. Yeah. And you're and never going to get it right. All, no. You know shit. what I mean? They, they will find something no matter what it is. And I'm I'm guilty of this with my mum. Yeah. Um, they will. Kids will always find a, a point to, to work yeah. you on. And, um, and on top of that, you don't know whether you're – dealing with it any better than anyone else. Correct. You just fucking don't. Like, don't. I think... No. And that's Christ, why I think I'm you shouldn't really compare not... yourself. With, you know? No, no. but in a way I'd like to. I would like to have a camera in the, the kitchens of everyone who's got kids <laughs> just so I can get the truth. Because we all tell a different Way too story. much information, Dan. Well, but I want to know whether what, what I'm... Because, like I said, I'm, my issues are a bit clouded by some of this other mental health stuff that has burst up in the space that was created by getting sober. Yeah, right. And then... It, then and I, I'm... I don't know how much of what the the stress and the difficulty I'm having is just what you go through, and how much of it is 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 mental health stuff from before. Uh. And I and you, you're right in that I need to forgive myself and I need to step back from it and go look. And and I can do that most of the time, you know. But I, I also am what I am. Fuck, like you find out who you are, don't you? You really find out who you are and oh. what's not what's hardwired. It's these are the these are the um, exciting challenges. Mm. It, you know, it's for me having been so physical. Mm. It's all going on. It's cerebral and emotional, and it, it as you say, it triggers all the various dark, light, bright, happy, twisted horses of your youth and of your previous existence when you're dealing with these little young yeah these young homo sapiens who are so you know you, you see like obviously there's the, the genetic uh implications of mm. half of half of you and half of me yeah. you know half of her and half of i and 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 then the how all of them are different as well you know you just look at one's got so much so much of her in 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 him, and the other's got so much of, of me in her, or you, it's all oh, just, no, it's, it's quite, I, I find it really, really exciting, you know, yeah, from a, totally. and I don't mean like from an ego point of view, I just, how, how wonderful that I, I, I spent my whole life thinking I'm not going to do this, and I'm so glad I, I lied to myself, and I am doing it, because, mm. um, yeah, life's going to be life's better with them in your life, even if we are overpopulated. But these little yeah. agents of change, and this is the other thing I find is I don't want them. I'm really conscious of you know, there's a lot of guilt tripping going on in the world right yeah. now, and you know, if you listen to the dire state of affairs, it's 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 not difficult to burden your kids with all this mm. 
shame job about where the planet's going. Mm. And uh, I don't think that creates solutionists or or, or proactive people. Mm, so no. um, I'm really conscious with my kids of trying to, as opposed to dwelling on problems, is you know when they you know when they say hey where's my you know wh- why is this not happening I was, let's analyze this and let, what what can we do to find a solution yeah. to this yes, yeah. i really want my little people or these little people to be positive solution based this you is know, the kids. this is resilience this is Every, build absolutely resilience. so taking them out into the mud the other day to go yeah. crabbing is necessary making yeah. them battle making them struggle pushing naturally Putting them in situations where they've got to be challenged is really important. To I me. agree. I totally agree. Really important mm. to me. Mm. Um, that's that said, I've, I'm I'm always questioning my call, you know, um, and that I often look to Kate because because we had different styles of parenting, you know, especially when it comes to daughters. I <laughs> no idea, mm. you know, um, having grown up with all boys and all male cousins and all male stock camps and all boys boarding schools and. All boys' mine sites and all boys' vessels full of divers. Yeah. I've just, I've had a very masculine. Um, Mine was all female. Was it? Oh, you, you lucky know, bastard. Pretty much, you know. <laughs> well, but it means there's all this interesting stuff about how I view masculinity and how I view male sexuality. I mean, I've been, since this podcast opened up discussions about my family and my history, and then, and then, and obviously the kids were what started that, I've gotten. Oh man, I've had conversations with my mother and father and with my relatives about your history, the history and the family and the the, the psycho. Like it's it's blown it all open in this extraordinary way. Do you but think it's that's a lot of healthy wading through? I don't through? know. I just don't know. No. But there's no stopping it. Quick, quick, you would things- argue that wading through all that dark shit doesn't doesn't. No, no, uh, but it's not all dark though. It's it's, okay. all, it's also recognizing what uh, things. It's like with parenting. Like my mother and father both talking more openly about what was difficult for them and what they went through helps me to let go of my, I mean, they're people too yeah. then, you know, yeah. and, and everyone's worked the best. It's made, definitely made us closer. Yeah, cool. Um, I'd, but, love, I'd love to have a conversation like that with, with, with my parents, but I, I just don't think... Well, it's the difference between digging up because you're resentful and angry and you want to punish people. If you're genuinely, like I said to mum, look, if you if you want to talk about a lot of this stuff in the past that you feel bad about or guilty about, then let's do it. I'm a parent now. You're a parent. I don't, I'm not going to hold anything against you anymore. I don't care. I, I just want us to to all grow and get along and feel comfortable to speak. You don't have to, you don't have to feel bad anymore about what you may or may not have provided to us as a parent. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm me and I am and I'm, don't want to change that. What I do want is for us to have, have a kind of healthy relationship going forward. Yeah, it's cool. sort of it's up to you what we we – can, we can leave it all behind. Yeah. Like, but, in a certain way, you've got to just go – But you gave them the option. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Good I'm going to uh, I'm gonna try to do that, give them the option. Well, it's – Depends on your parents and your situation. There's yeah. no doubt. Look, this podcast has been a serious, crazy catalyst for a lot of stuff with, oh, ev- with everyone. It's cool. just on my, in my world. Yeah. And then also with my reactions to the kids and whatever, and then how that feeds into my – I'm definitely making progress with my mental health that was for years covered by my drinking. Yeah, okay. Tell me, um, down the line, I mean, this this stuff goes on to the, 
cloud right. or the interweb yeah. or what, you know, wherever it is, but it exists in perpetuity, doesn't right. it? Right, pretty so much. So this is in, you know, as Sammy comes of age, as, as your, your kids come of age, mm. this becomes a, a, a body of content that they can consult with to try and... Well, or after I'm gone. After totally. we, we could have great-grandchildren who have mental, diagnosable mental problems that they can go back to these podcasts and go, that's where it came oh, from. Yeah, we're down the it world, was huh? him. No, but like... No. They, but, they said that about my kids in my, my YouTube-based videos. Right. <laughs> what is that going to do to a teenage kid when he goes and... Oh, yeah, you know well, what I mean? Who knows? I mean, there's definitely... <laughs> this is... Yeah, we're down, we're, yeah, we're down that... We're down that... Um, that tech tech uh, rabbit hole. But is it not better for him to understand a bit about me as a person? Absolutely. Older? Like, for sure. Can there be a downside to that? Unless I'm on here making horrible not at all. allegations you're, you're, about... You're, you're having candid, open, mm. honest conversations with other men about... But it does mean there's a building of information and knowledge and part of you goes, well, do we really need to know all this about our parents well, and grandparents? Well, I and... think there's some AI out there that just loves knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's the future's pretty complicated when you start to take yeah. into account all that. Like uh, you've been reading, um, Yuval Harari. Oh, no, yeah, Yuval yeah, yeah. Harari about um, yeah, sapiens and, and Homo Deus, and mm. yeah, that it's uh, yeah. Sometimes knowing too much is <laughs> yeah. And look, and kids are a great opportunity to let go of. Of some of that obsess, like I'm a deeply obsessive person, as you know, which is, means I have hyper focus for some things and none for others, and it's a good thing and a bad thing. And but it's for me now delineating between the two a little bit, and, and then just letting go of some of it. Yes, yeah. is, is a very good idea. I think I think you're doing a wonderful job. Kids are in a thanks. Mate, I, I really do. I, like I I I watch how you guys are going about it, and I don't see you doing anything critical that's going to make. About from my point of view, this is my opinion. Mm. Um, excuse me. Um, I, I yeah, I, th I think the best you can do is try to just to be conscious uh, mm. as a you know mm. conscious parent. Like I think when you forget about it and you start to deal with your own requirements before before the the family unit, and I don't know, just because your values are good, right. Kids get that. That's what we, we look. That's this comes back all the time too. That your values are right by showing up and and caring. Exactly, you've already won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in a, and in a, I, uh, I just really think unless you're you are making choices based around your previous existence. Yes, my previous existence. Like if I'm sorry, guys, I'm 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 going off to spend three weeks scaling illegal buildings and jumping them off. I, yeah, yeah. The, I can't quite justify yeah. that as a parent yeah. or, you know, uh, for sure I'd, I'd, going away on a commercial dive job, it's safe and I, I get that's a necessary risk for, as far as I'm concerned, but for frivolous ones, yeah. hitting 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 the chemicals or the pharmaceuticals. Or yeah. Well, that's where there's – like I've been very distracted. In the last year there's been lots of things go on that have distracted me a lot, but I think that ultimately they're, they're things that I can't hide from and they're ultimately things that will – will be dealt with and passed yeah. and let go of, which will benefit. But it's hard in the moment. You guys are feel... stressed right now because you've got four and nearly one. Yeah. You know what I mean? In, that, yeah. You're in the, the danger zone. And mm. I can tell you looking at me, I'm, I'm where it's at. Like the two-year-old, our third one, who's nearly three, you could, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. The, 
the the way that the other two look after the third one the the fact that we're all getting our sleep you know i can't tell right, that, that sleep deprivation yeah, is honestly yeah, it's such a killer it's it's a killer on so many different levels it yeah. just complicates things and because all my personal issues are of a psychological nature it's very hard for me to separate all that and i get aggravated and amplified i'd imagine yeah and i and i don't know what's what a lot of the time i've got the all that anxiety and the, the, the possible kind of i mean i've got a different brain that's becoming apparent to not everyone but some people but we've all got neural differences right and Absolutely. how we deal with things yeah. and what works for us and i now know some stuff about my that I didn't fit into the system that I was squeezed into as a, as a kid. You, you're thinking about all that too. You see traits in your own kids and you're like... Oh, you mean pigeonholing and... Yeah, well, it's... Or thought processes. This is a whole other... This is it's a whole, whole other podcast. <laughs> this is a whole other conversation. Hey, listen, there was a... Just to be really specific for a minute, and, I'm, and I don't think she'll mind, but last, last night, because me, me, there was a great moment with Missy uh, and, and Sammy, because Sammy's unbelievably defiant. I got that. You got that. And that would make your life. And you know what? My take on it is he's doing it to get you. Totally, totally. I Look, I, I drank and took drugs to try and narrow the world. This is what I know now. Oh, yeah. Because I take in everything and I have no filter. I get overwhelmed very easily and this is where the anxiety comes from. I feel like, so when, when I drank and stuff, it just narrowed it down to you and me. And the rest of the world wasn't pouring in unfiltered. Yeah. And that sounds dramatic, but it's just the way it was for me and, and still is at times. Um, so that they just they just rip all that filtering off again and and, totally. and, and make like bring that sort of anxiety back. The thing I was gonna say about um Missy was he's he's defiant, she but he like, last night he was clearly, it seemed to me trying to get her to show him a boundary. He's kicking the baby or fighting the baby, going, Vroom. yeah, and he's going. And I, I was watching him going, he's, he's wanting us to just put a very clear, solid boundary up. Bang, that's that. And and she 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 just shut it down and said, right, you're not doing that. And she took him aside and said, you are staying in here until – because we've had this debate about whether to put them on their own or, or time out, all that sort of stuff. But it was a moment where she just went – she got angry enough to show him that this wasn't acceptable, put him in there, and then she mo moved on with it, right? So so the, the trick for me is to not get vengeful and take it personally and get – like you can be very serious – and uh, give a boundary without being cruel, right? Okay. Right. These are subjective terms, yep. Uh, yeah, but but it was amazing to watch how he responded to that. Did he get it? Well, he was just suddenly more, or a few minutes later, he was very, he was sharing, he was being very close with her. Oh, and so very, he got it. Well, it, was, it seemed to me that he, need, he needed this very clear, serious moment to occur so that he could relax in a way because then he calmed down. He was very nice with her. Right. It's fascinating and it was great. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's not something you worry about. That, that's an immediate. I, I, I definitely, like yeah. especially with my eldest, um, but I, also with the, the middle one, the girl, um, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely provide those boundaries and some people will call me a, a Neanderthal, but the smack is in, in our vocabulary. 
Yeah. Um, I'm not for sitting around and having discourse and, you know, gating and, you know, it's, it's, it's a known level where if you, if you push a boundary, there'll be a short, sharp smack. It's physical, it's quick. And they know, boom, stop. Now, I, you know, in this PC world of hyper, you know, protective Mm. stuff, I, I'm willing to cop the grunt, but, you know, uh, my kids have got a boundary and they know Mm. if they cross it, there'll be a. I'm not brutalizing. You're just showing the magnitude of the situation. Absolutely. It's a smack and they, they realize (laughs) it. I think half the, the impact of it is that there is a warning. It's spoken about. If it's pursued, it's pursued. And when it's administered, it's not out of emotional breakdown it's a short sharp here it comes we're clear we are in control you have crossed a boundary smack boom over it hurts enough that they you know that that's the limit um that what some some would argue that that's not necessary i should be able to take them i should be have the brevity of my voice but frankly it works for us and it it worked for me as well i my parents didn't flog me but You know, no, and know, there yeah. were times when we crossed boundaries that required physical innovation. I'm, and it's uh, quite possible that the kids want that. This is the argument wow. I'm making. I think he, he's consciously trying to push it. He said to his grandfather the other day, he was just being unbelievably defiant with him, and then he point blank said to him, I'm trying to make you angry. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, well, it didn't work, did it? Can, can, I, can I make a suggestion? Because I was a mm. Sammy. Mm-hmm. And banjo is was a Sammy is not now that he's seven. But um, what's going to be really important in Sammy's life mm-hmm. is not you, but other men. Oh yeah. Now the other day we we're at the beach. Sammy was being really defiant. He was trying it on, mm. and there was a, a, one of our friends was there, and he intervened and just basically knocked him on his bum, and he got it. Like yeah. And that's really important that other men put, set those boundaries, you know, because especially he, when they're teenagers. As yeah, they absolutely. Yeah. I, I I just. You know, because they they think they can tr- pull that shit that on not on their parents, and they're gonna, they're not going to get it. Well, and this is my point too: is if they get to adulthood and they still think that they can do that, and they go out in the world doing that, the problem is the world's not going to be as kind as us. The Absolutely world's going to put them not. in jail. The world's going to punch them out. And I think, boys, you don't. Again, like I said, it doesn't equate to cruelty, and it doesn't equate to all this stuff. My problem is that if I don't have a means to create really very real boundaries, then I then start to feel powerless and then I'm much more inclined to take it out on him in other ways Yeah, because I'm more likely to then play psychological games with him. Oh, and then you're doing... Why are you being a fucking asshole? Why are you doing this? Now, (laughs) the damage done from from that that. sort of stuff has far greater implications than a short, sharp... Than frightening them for a second. Boom. Done, dealt with, ouch, that hurts, cry, Mm. over. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I think you're right. And even if you don't smack them, which we probably that won't do, but we, we haven't, we still need to have that very clear. You're in here. You're not getting your, your privileges end now one way or another. Yeah. Until you understand what's going on. Yeah. But the beauty of what Missy did last night was she made that very clear, but she didn't. I have a problem where I get angry and I hold it against him for a period of time. I know, it's terrible. I feel bad about it, but it's because I feel powerless. But M- Missy got the message across short and sharp. Yeah, and he got it and he appreciated it and then she just, she doesn't hold on to it. She, she cool. moved on. She went, right, now, what are we doing next? It's yeah. like when they have a tantrum, you go, are you having a tantrum? Okay. And I've said that to him and, and it's worked for Don't me. Don't want to talk to a kid in a tantrum. They're, I go, they're, they're pure insanity. They're tantrum. pure insanity, but you let them have the tantrum. Yeah, that, right. That's our problem. 
what you don't do or what I've learned not to do is stand there going, what's wrong with you? Because <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's my that's my re- my my problem because I, I I that's my knee-jerk reaction. But what I have to do is just go, all right, let him have his tantrum because yeah. he can't help it. He's a four-year-old. He's yeah. having his tantrum. I don't have to judge that tantrum, I suppose, is what I'm getting at. If, yeah. I, if I judge him for it, yeah. I just – you can have your tantrum, but we're doing this. Yeah, drag yeah, yeah. him to the thing, whatever you have to do. But but the main thing for me is learning not to weight that with this anger that carries over. Yeah. This, well, that's baggage, it, isn't it? It's baggage. And I just want to have the rule. And there it is. Yeah. And when There's you, nothing personal. When you hit him on the psychological stuff with that baggage, right. then that's just acquired. That's my biggest worry at the moment because I feel like I do that. I, I still have a fight-flight mechanism with with them. I, 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 I kind of take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting better at it. Yeah, yeah. But I really want to fix that. I mean, that's something I don't want to do. Like you said, that does more damage Ooh. if they feel like they're a shit person because they're behaving like a four-year-old. Yeah. That doesn't mean – I mean, you've got to have the boundaries. Yeah. But they need to be boundaries they understand, and what they understand is is just being given a boundary. Bang. Whether that's a smack or whether that's a just you're in your room until you calm down or whatever it is. Yeah. There's got to be something that just – because they want that. They're not – they're not um, sophisticated enough yet to have the sit-down discussion. No, absolutely not. Right? And I think also when when they're in that frame of mind, you, yeah, you can't the last it. thing they want is sit down and have this discussion. No. You know you what just, I mean? Yeah, they they need, need to be shut down. Yeah, it needs for their own good. Yeah, isolate, and they've got no recourse. You're protecting them. Yeah, but this, but you know, this is a real. This is a. This is a parenting it's a, it's hot a thing. potato. Oh, it I mean, is. It is. I'm willing to cop it too. this all the time. Like we, oh, uh, yeah. you know, my kids are in a Montessori school and, mm. <laughs> and uh, you know, we often joke about flogging and, you know, all yeah, this yeah. sort of stuff. But it's as much as we joke about it, the kids will get a smack and that if, if, if they cross certain boundaries and yeah. it's, it's yeah. known and. Yeah, I'm, that because the thing is there's a, you've got all this love on display that some of us didn't get. Possibly from our parents, it's, you, you've you are spending time with them. You're talking to them. They know you love them. True. All this stuff. So if you're being, it's only cruel when you're not not when when you don't have when you have this conditional love. You know. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the, I was reading something by John Marsden the other day, but that yeah. we, we're 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 loving it. Our kids too much. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's all this really. Ex- it's drowning. These kids are drowning in excessive attention. And they think they're the center of the fucking it's world. F- bullshit. You can't. It we are narcissism. All of that. And then together with the thalidomide of our generation, which is social media. So they're, if they're constantly on social media, they already think that they're the center of the universe. Plus, they're relying on light. I mean, this is. We're making toxic human beings. We are making toxic human beings. Yeah. We need to. Yeah. Give them, and it's it's neglectful as a parent to not show them. Look, it's hard to know how to deliver the boundary. It's hard to know for some people. I don't know. For me, it feels no, right. no, I know. But, but it, I, like even when I think about the boundary being delivered by my dad when he gave me gave us the strap, like right. the belt, mm. I could I still picture very clearly the pain on his face of having to do this, but right. knowing that it is a necessary step. I never saw that pain on the housemaster's face as he was no. wrapping the cane around my ass every other day but you know at the same time i don't you know he us in those environments in those institutions that that was a real and physical boundary it wasn't sort of are you going to get the cane it's how many did you get 
and obviously six of the best was the, mm. the limit. And if you see, if we you, live in a climate in Melbourne with if you of... if you pushed it for for six of the best, mm. um, well, you really pushed it to the outer realms. Yeah. Um, and that climate seems like anathema to all these precious kids these days. But I I don't think we should disband it altogether. I, I still think, mm. from my point of view, and this is this is parenting that there is a requirement at some point where you know talking about it just doesn't cut it but i think this is a backlash or a fear from the parenting of the 50s or whatever where they got the rod and they got all that stuff but they didn't get any of the care yeah, and the yeah. Love. spare spare the, the rod spare the rod no, no, but, the, rod, but rod, the rod. difference now is you as a conscious parent as a conscious father and me and and everyone else we know we're already doing enough to cut we're, we're already loving them enough we're already giving them it's not like then giving them firm boundaries is is in isolation and confusion and an otherwise unloving yeah, environment. It's not, a, it's, it's not a totalitarian state. No, <laughs> but you, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, you know, there's there is a there is a it's a benevolent dictatorship. Yeah, yeah, that you could argue they are reaching for. Boys reach for boundaries. Ooh, yeah. They want the boundary. So did because girls, though. That, but that's why. But that's why I think I saw him, and he did this to me in the times when I've put my foot down and completely said, "Right, this is not going any further." And he screams and wails and tantrums, and I go, "Listen, you can tantrum, but you're not coming out. You're staying there." And I and I don't abandon him on it. I let him have it. I don't go, "You're an idiot," blah blah blah, or let yep. him think I hate him. I go, "You you can cry. You're totally." Do, do whatever you need to do. But then the way he feels about me after that is definitely closer. Cool. He cries you, you like, a bridge. He, he cries like I've wounded him, but then later on he feels secure with me. I can feel it. I can feel the way he hugs mm. me is different because he feels secure. And we are, we're, we're causing problems when we, we – see, we're in a climate in, in Melbourne in sort of progressive middle-class sort of Melbourne to progressive – <laughs> so, you know, like PC creative world where you just don't see they you just don't what? You don't reprimand your children at all. You don't Really? You Shit. Well, there's 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 boundary setting, but to me it feels wishy-washy like you're like oh. we're saying you can't Weak as piss, Dan. Weak as piss. You can't set a boundary without a consequence. Yeah. Without a consequence. Yeah. Even yeah. look, you're whether breeding it's, impotent, toxic human beings. Yeah, because what you've got to say is this that won't be tolerated. To what? Shit that is psycho, you know, it's. They sorry, may not I'm, be able to I'm help. I'm highly it. opinionated on all I know, that. But they may not be able to help it because they're four, but that still doesn't mean. They that, can't help it. It's the parents but, that are just but it still ignorant as shit. But even if that's the case, even if it's them just being four, you still can't give them the impression that that behavior is okay. True. You can say, you can accept that they perhaps can't help it because kids have meltdowns. Yeah. But you can't tell them that it's okay. It's yeah. like, this is going to get me in trouble too, but it's like obesity, you know. It doesn't make it healthy just because we stop persecuting people. Like, like Well, you've got to call fat out for fat. Well, it's, n it's not healthy. Of course it's we not. Don't, we, we don't it's bad choices. Yeah, and, and that, that doesn't mean by... Talking about that, you're saying that we have to be cruel to fat people. No, but there's a, people have a problem, and that's why they're that way. It's like addiction. People are addicts because of all I, sorts I of reasons, that. and we don't accept their behaviour. I get that, but we don't just stick it under the bed and not talk well, about that, it. But that's what I'm. 
we're agreeing exactly. Yeah, that, you but, know. That's, but that's the problem with the culture at the moment is that what we have to do is say that it's all okay. I've got to fight for my right to well, be a smack addict. From my point of view as a parent, I just find it. I, I I think we're kind of fortunate that I live in part of Australia where there really yeah. isn't a lot of obesity. But when when we do come across it, it's a very good indicator and an example for my kids. I say, look, there's a there's a person over there that you know doesn't eat well right and this is what happens you if you choose to eat this this and this and eat like that this mm. is how you're going to end up looking right and, and you can their, still be their life will be cut short to well, that person well you don't have to chase them I don't know so much compassion i just well, feel a little bit objective about it and say look right these choices lead to that just like there's a dude down the street that's stoned all the time you know this guy yeah. imbibes cannabis 24 7 and he's he's not mentally sound yeah. you know um, this is what can happen if you and make these choices. that doesn't automatically equate to persecution. I'm not is persecuting. It, I'm just making a, an observation. But this is what I'm saying is that these days the, the problem people have with, like me, with political correctness, even though it's ostensibly a good idea, is, is that people automatically equate it with persecution. Oh, for sure. That, but this is this I'm whole not, schism between left and right. And yeah, yeah. We're now in a slippery slope of many yeah, yeah. other podcasts, I think yeah, yeah. The, the, the strength, the thing that I take from all that over-discussion is just to cut away from all that shit and just concentrate on the you know yeah. the base values. And so, look, in, in, in order to kind of bring this thing to a close, oh, so, yeah. I mean, definitely for me coming to bringing – the kids up to places like this as much as possible as they grow up is vital because it's a practical connection with the world. There's, totally. Let's do it annually. Let's, we are, aren't we? Yeah. And, and, and they get to see, well, they're, they're not the centre of the universe. There's a community. It's important. That, and that there's, 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 there's a, pursuits that they've got to go out and, and roll yeah. up their sleeves and get involved with if they want to, you know, if they want to get some tucker, they've got to. Sweat and get smashed by sand flies yeah. and get muddy, and it's yeah. going to sore. And, and or if they want to, you know, everything requires effort and That's challenges. Right. Yeah. The more know. effort, the better. The yeah, you know, the, the, um, the sense of it's not just going to be given to you. And I think you know, from my point, as I've mentioned to you, I just keep the tech to a minimum. Like tech is a, is a given. It's so, so hard for so consciously d- make sure that they're not exposed to you just swinging off it as well like when they see you checking it or talking into your wrist or that is just the from my point of view it's just bad modeling well modeling is everything isn't it you can't you can't tell them something really yeah exactly so that i mean i mean it's so hard for people like single parents in melbourne who are working full-time shocking because they're they're in the city there's no access and and the tech is part of their occupation i get this with my, my partner she's she she makes our living out of tech, mm. so it's. But it's also they they are aware that she's working on it, you sure. know, because you when she's not that. working, it's nowhere near her. I do little things like I try to be clear with Sammy when when, when I'm on the phone, like say I'm t- texting my brother this morning and yeah. I'm having to stop. That then, um, I I'll say to him, I'm ju- I'm just com- uh, com- having this conversation with Uncle Ben because he needs me to talk to him about this thing. Oh, well, you explain the reason. So that yeah. he doesn't think I'm just here playing a game and ignoring him. Yeah, gotcha. I go, I've just got to get on the phone for a minute and find out the address of this place. Yeah, cool. Just so that he at least knows that I'm not just, it's not just. <laughs> yeah, it's just. It's a tool Thumbing still. through the. Through but the, it's easy to put kids in front of, you know, in front of <sighs> something when you flat out. And no, no, look, I understand. It, it, the, the, the reason of not having a TV 
Like, mm. again, as I mentioned, I've never had one, but we don't have one at home either. Mm. But we have screens. Mm. And uh, screens are, it's a weekend thing, and you control the content. And you can't be Luddites. Uh, for sure, I'm not. I'm not no, no, no. Pro- being a Luddite proponent, but um, if you if if the content that's coming down is good, it's massively edifying, mm-hmm. um, and they're not exposed to all this commercial sensationalist, you know, clickbaiting bullshit that happens because yeah. you know the psych element within tech is just. Yeah. Out of control. It's my adi- more addictive than any of the well, bad shit you got tangled in with. It's insidious it's on so many fronts. Designed by the people that designed the right on, right on. But one, one solar flare and all your bloody <laughs> things go, and people are going to want to know how to tie knots and sharpen yeah. a blade and kill a beast and change yeah. a tire. And this is all this physical skills that we have in life that need to be on past, as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Because you know, I'm, I'm not a, a like a, a doomsdayer, but these are skills that are, are diminishing with this new generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if it's a point of difference for, for your kids, if, if they grow into the world with old school skills like this, that, you know, not only does it give them the confidence to go anywhere, you know, you, you, it, 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 gives know. You the, it gives you the satisfaction that your kids have got a toolbox and it ain't something you can download from the app store. <laughs> no, and, and all of our evolution, our brain evolution happened prior to the technological revolution mm. and we're not, we're not – evolved for it that's right and, and we know that when people enter natural environments their anxiety drops just by being there i think it's one of the yeah. great misnomers of the 21st century that in 2007 they came out with this device and they called it the smartphone <laughs> yeah and all it's managed to do is dumb us the fuck down yeah. it's unbelievable people have gone to their death listening to siri or google maps mm. send them in a direction that they thought instinctually was wrong mm. and they've They've gone off the cliff or they've run into someone I listening know, to a wild, robot. It's isn't it? And this is just the beginning. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty yeah. – I mean, you couldn't script it. It's hilarious in a very dark way. Yeah, a very Douglas Adams kind yeah, of way. Yeah, a very dark way. Yeah, man. Well, hang on to your hat. Hey. That's what we've got to do. Good chatting. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, good Richard. Mate. We'll do it again. Right on. Better take these kids out crabbing now. Right. <laughs> um, tides are too small. We might go for a fish. All right. See you later, folks. Catch up. That awesome podcast was recorded at Castaway Studios in Collingwood. Here, we provide affordable, accessible, professional podcasting production facilities to the full range of podcasters, all the way from basic studio hire right through to full season production packages. You can get us on castawaycollingwood at gmail.com or just look up Castaway Studios on all the social medias.